Penn State football faces Ohio State this upcoming weekend. Uh, you know that already. What you don't know is what happened at practice yesterday. That's why Nate Bauer and I went there during the open media availability and during James Franklin's press conference afterwards to give you an idea of what went on. Nate Bauer, senior editor of Blue Aid Illustrated. Uh, how you doing today? Welcome to the show. Always love Thursdays. I'm I'm great. How are you? I'm happy uh, to be here. I, I'm I'm I am. Some games you you go into them and you're like I don't know what to expect. I don't know yeah. X Y or Z. This one I think everyone knows exactly what to expect. So I feel I feel confident today that I'm going to give people good information. I don't think they're going to like some of the information, but I feel confident about what we know and what we are we are seeing going into this game. So for me it's an easier week because it's like what, look at all these defined features in this game. So that's that's kind of how I'm feeling today. Uh, yeah. What about you? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I'm, I'm less certain and I'm less certain because I'm, I'm really looking at the last seven quarters of Penn state football as being my compass coming into this game, right? If, if we had had this conversation, uh, three weeks ago about this game, I might feel a little bit differently, but I, I mean, uh, should I should I spoil the the uh, the punchline here? Like I don't have Penn State scoring points in this game. Okay, uh, and All like right. like and but here's the thing: is like I also don't have Ohio State scoring that many points. I think that that they're uh, I'm not going to call them a mirage, but I, I just think that this game, the character of this game, is one. Uh, you know the 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 Big Brother holding his hand out while the little brother swings yeah. and yeah. and misses like just you, you know uh, i i just kind of see it as ohio state being able to hold penn state at bay completely and again i mean you gotta score points to win the football game and yep. i don't see an avenue to penn state really doing that at the level that would be necessary to keep pace yeah, uh, we'll get to some of those metrics and some of those facets in just a little bit. But one thing that we always do is you and I are at practice. We give our observations to start the show. So what were you looking at yesterday when you were at the media availability? What stood, what stood out to you about what you saw? Yeah, so the the first thing, and I, I'm sure you saw it as well, and this became uh, the subtext to all of the conversations immediately after practice is that Taekwon Roberson was not there for the time yep. that we saw, okay? Uh, James Franklin, when asked about it in uh, about an hour and a half later, said that he was at practice and that he, or excuse me, I don't want to mischaracterize this, that he had practiced this week. Uh, and so take that for what you will, right? If, yeah. if, if there is cause for concern, if if Taquan Roberson is not at practice or not uh, an active piece of the team at this exact moment, which I, I'm like I'm flying blind here. I don't I don't have concrete information one way or the other past what James Franklin said uh, after practice, which is that he he was at practice this week. So. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure it's one of those things that, like, necessarily upends 
what we already know, right? Like Sean Clifford's going to play in this game and he's going to be the one, the only one who plays in this game. But if Sean Clifford gets hurt and take one Roberson isn't available for whatever reason, then obviously that massively shifts the dynamic to, uh, you know, a guy in Christian value who really has not had any experience um, at this level at all. So we're going to see. Sorry, I was pulling a take one, Roberson. Do you buy it? Do you? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I was like, "What's Frank? Where'd you go? What? Uh, uh, do you do you buy uh, that? I guess that you Here's know. Because like my 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 transfer portal joke right now is only half kidding. Like, what do you? The subtext of the situation is 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 apparent to anyone who's been following along of a guy that came in for one game and uh, was essentially given no shot the next week to play. Uh, and Sean Clifford being unhealthy and being ineffective in the game Im- against Illinois. And Important caveat. Important caveat. It did not go well when he came in the game. Fair. At, fair. When that, when that happened. Uh, and we've also talked like, about how rough of a situation that was. Now, to do it again the next week uh, against Illinois, kind of coming, if he had to come in in a similar situation, would have been kind of familiar, but at least it wasn't one of the better defenses in America. It was the Illinois defense. I, I, I don't know. Is yeah, no, that, I, is that think, do, you, do you read the subtext of the situation the same way? Yeah, of course. I mean, okay. <laughs> look, first of all, this is not the first time that something like this has happened or would happen or will happen. Uh, players... If I mean, again, like we're hypothesizing here, right? But like, uh, let's make some assumptions that he's dissatisfied with the way that things went over the last three weeks. Um, you, you know, uh, can you blame him for that? No, probably not. Can you blame Penn State for their position to want a healthy or an unhealthy Sean Clifford over him? I'm not sure that you can. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like, I I just, I don't know, you know, it's, it's one of those things like this, these things happen. And so coaches have decisions to make. That's the bottom line is coaches make these decisions all the time. It's more pronounced when it's the quarterback position, but uh, we frequently see situations where, and really nobody says a whole lot about it unless it goes wrong or poorly for Penn state, but Penn state has lots of times where, uh, the starting running back might have an ankle sprain and plays through it. And that person at 80% or whatever it is plays through that. Uh-oh. I lost your audio. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. There we go. <laughs> I had my cough button on. So yeah, mm. Noah Kane, Noah Kane has played that way all season. Like that to your point, Noah Kane has played that way all season. We've seen guys that have been uh losing snaps here and there across the depth chart. Um I and, and I guess you're right because it's the quarterback and because it's been such a topic for so long. It becomes a topic we talk about, but is the impact, I guess this is the next question of this whole situation is the impact of Taquan Roberson's status monumental. 
No, I mean, if to be honest with you, it's actually the the exact opposite. Unless Sean Clifford gets hurt to the point where he can't perform. Now, uh, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I think it'd be hard to argue that he was completely healthy the last game. It's going to be hard to argue that he's completely healthy going into this game. And so you would think that the uh the precipice of of him getting injured again or being further injured to the point where he's unable to compete is there right like that that's a real possibility that would that would seem to, uh, to be in the ballpark in the zip code right now uh yeah. but you know the funny you thing know, is i i think sean clifford is healthier going into this game against ohio state on the road than he was in 2019 uh, just just for the, the, no the circumstances that Penn State has played Ohio State under over the last couple of years, yep. it's it's just it's it's crazy. And the difference is that Will Levis came in and provided a small spark as a runner, but then when it came to being able to throw the ball, that that didn't go so well. And that is really the element, the change between this game and 2019 is. You're going to be throwing Christian Veyu out there if anything happens to Sean Clifford, and this is the truth, by the way. We're we're we're, we're talking in hypotheticals. I I always do this. We we throw out a hypothetical. We talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and then it becomes a fact. You know, yeah. like so, it, it could entirely be that he just missed for some particular reason that isn't the transfer portal. Uh, Maybe but, he had a class. He could have had a class. Yeah. During a Wednesday that he's had blocked off since he started at Penn State. But yeah, a, uh, a makeup test. <laughs> sure. If we want to do that. Uh, focus on the run game was another thing that James Franklin talked about after practice. Another thing that I think we all noticed at the end of when we were at the uh, observable period was that there was there was definitely a focus on the run game and blocking and tackling at that position. Did you were you over there for that for any length of time? Yeah, I was actually, and and I, pretty obviously they were they were getting into those guys. Um, it was an intense period um, for sure. You know, look, like I, I'm always a little bit cautious of overplaying. You know, some of what we see in the 20 minutes uh, in the middle of the week of practice that we're we're able to witness. But yeah, I, I mean, it was pretty unmistakable that. Penn State. I mean, this was both defensive line and offensive line, right? Yeah. Of, of J like, James talked about it was good on good too, which I, they had uh, from what I had seen, they had not been doing for a while. Yeah. So you got John Scott screaming at somebody. <laughs> you got Phil Troutwine. He doesn't really scream, but getting into somebody. Uh, James Franklin's kind of watching. I mean, it's look like. There's, there's, uh, you can't really sugarcoat it at this point. It is what it is that they, they yeah. haven't played well, um, in that facet of the game. And yeah. so until they do, I, I think this is something that you're going to continue to see. I mean, I, I, I think that the difference is if I, if I had to pinpoint anything, it's that the appetite to allow the process to develop on its own has evaporated they can't wait any longer right like yeah. the normal development the normal pace trajectory of the offensive line kind of you know doing it piece by piece and picking things up and all of it gelling uh by the 
whatever it would have been, right? The first third of the season, the half of the season, right? Like those, those benchmarks are gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, it hasn't so, happened. Like we've, it we've, hasn't happened. Yeah. So, so they have to right? like, I mean, now it's okay. Well, look, the, the allotted time to complete this test is up and yeah. now it's, now it's yelling time. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a fair way to put it. It's yelling time. Um, uh, so it's an interesting conversation too. Um, James Franklin was asked by you, no less, about the situation between Juice Scruggs, Mike Miranda, their flip-flop during the Illinois game. What did he say about that? And what did you take away from his comments about that? Can you believe my incredible insight to take what you texted me five minutes prior and ask James Franklin about it. No. Uh, so, by, by the way, uh, just how this works is I'm sitting here watching the press conference, and I know I'm likely not going to get a question. So I get frustrated listening to all the questions that aren't my question. And this has been like six weeks in a row. I've been like, here's a really important thing no one is asking about. And our third question about Sean Clifford and toughness. And I'm like, why isn't anyone asking about the offensive line movement? So I finally, I, I, I broke yeah. and I was like, I, I texted Nate and I'm like, somebody's got to ask about this. And you did a phenomenal to job. To be fair, I added the Salim Warmly bit. That Great. Was, that was me. Which, yep. by the way, and like, I, you know, he said it uh, and, and maybe it took that opportunity for him to say it. I, sometimes I don't know why he doesn't say these things. Not having one of your starters which is what Salim Wormley was going into the season impacts what you're able to do there. Yeah. <laughs> like that's there. There's some, uh, this is pretty black and white on this issue. Uh, you're, you're lacking some of the personnel that you thought you were going to have and that you were counting upon to take a decent amount of reps that changes how you look at the rest of your personnel. And that includes obviously even what's happening with Juice Scruggs and Mike Miranda. Yeah. So, right, like if, if Salim Wormley is there, maybe that changes the dynamic a little bit where they made that move earlier. Well, right? like not I, only not only that, but then I, I think you might be using Bryce Effner a little bit differently because, uh, you know, I've talked about this a bunch of times on on the Daily. They've, they've moved everybody. They've rotated left guard. Now they've moved the center and the right guard. The only thing they haven't addressed is the tackles. In the spring, Bryce Effner was considered their swing tackle. Now, James always couched that with the fact that it was, he could play any position. And he but, can play any position. Right. So if, if he can play any position, but he hasn't been practicing at right tackle, where there's oh. been a bit of a dip in production from last year, yep. you don't have the pieces to move around. Like, that's yep. the bottom line. Yep. No, I, totally. And, uh, you know, it's... It, yeah. One of the complaints I think that's pretty common in specific to this, right? When you you're talking about the offensive line, it's like, well, why why don't you try something else, right? Yeah, they did. They have. They they are. And yeah. so um, now, granted, that was the first time. And James Franklin, his response. Uh, this is a long way around to get to the answer, but his response actually on Tuesday was. You know, this is they want to have somebody ready at center and different matchups present different opportunities. Where, right. Like, but if you go back and you really look at the 
snap counts. Mm-hmm. This is only the second time that Juice Scruggs has played any at center. Uh, it's it's an and, it's an honestly it it's it's an honest answer that is given a bit dishonestly. Uh, that's correct. how that's how I I phrased it the other day to somebody is like yes. Yeah. I think it's clear everyone has seen and been shouting about the fact that Mike Miranda has not been able to handle nose tackles over his face. Like, that has been a struggle in the run game. And yep. Juice Scruggs doesn't move people well. When you've got crashing down on you Mike Miranda instead of Juice Scruggs, they got some more movement in the run game. But it was in the seventh game in the fourth quarter of that game that they finally relented and and made that change. And I, I, I honestly, they might go back because Ohio State runs a four down front. And unless Ohio State comes out in a three down front just to screw with them, which I don't think they will, because why would why would they do that? They can they've beaten teams the way they are. So they don't need to change for for Penn State. You might see that flip flop back again and they might go back to what they're comfortable with, which I think might be a mistake. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it just it just speaks to the predicament that they're in at this mm-hmm. point. There's no like. I mean, that's a Hail Mary. They moved the center, and, and and James Franklin talked about at the beginning of the season, he felt comfortable with his tackles and his center, and he wanted the veteran players at those positions and the young guys or the new guys working in at the guards, which is the right thing. Theoretically, that's the right thing. And if there's one thing that they like to do is they like to be consistent and they like to stick it out and, and just improve. But at a certain point, you are beating your head on that wall. Uh, Phil, Phil Troutwine... Um... I, I don't know what the term is. I'm going to call it cross train, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's, he wants his offensive lineman to be versatile enough to play at different positions and not just left, right, but interior and and on the edges. So, you know, I, I don't. I think that he his approach is is actually fairly open minded about these things, but yeah. They just they just have not they just have not dialed in the combination that that consistently works. I mean, I I don't want to like you know we sh- we're not going to spend an hour talking about this, but like Penn State doesn't want its its primary objective is not running the ball. Like right. that, that is that is not the point of this offense. That's not why they brought Mike Yersich to Penn State. Is it a component that has to work? That 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 has to be part of the ingredients list? Yes, it is. And yeah. that's the shortcoming is they can't do it. And by not doing it at all, that limits what they can do otherwise. Yeah. But but it doesn't like it just it just creates this um they're, they're hamstrung. They're hamstrung yeah. over the, over this, and they they have not been able to make the the necessary improvements to get it to the point where even if it's, I, I mean, I, I don't want to put a number like even if it's twenty five percent of what they need to be able to do, yeah. and they're doing that twenty five percent at sixty percent capacity, doesn't get it done. It's not. It's not. It's not happening. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and and it is taking away from the fact that and one of the reasons I think that you don't want to move too many pieces and parts around is that they have been collectively a good offensive line in pass protection, which is kind of my point about this game in particular is that uh the Penn State offensive line specifically is built to play this game. They're built 
with this game in mind, the idea of playing a team that wants to play the way they do. And uh, I I want to shift my fo- our focus now towards the game specifically because this is one area that I think is uh, something that is is illuminating when you look at the two quarterbacks is uh, you, you've got their play under pressure. And C.J. Stroud, for being a redshirt freshman, he has played very well under pressure. He is the highest-ranked uh, passing grade under pressure in the Big Ten. Uh, but he's also being pressured at the third lowest rate. So he's not getting a lot of quality pressure in his face. I was talking to Bill Rabinowitz yesterday on uh, the Daily Edition about the Ohio State team. They have four tackles playing on their offensive line. They move, they move Thayer Munford, who was their, ta- their left tackle for the last three seasons, into left guard because they have that many players up front. So they have a really stout offensive line. But Penn State is not far behind that. Uh, they are. They only press. They only give up pressure at twenty eight percent. So they are relatively giving clean pockets. But Sean Clifford's play in those situations, to me, is the difference between what's going on between the two quarterbacks. Because I think, and this is this is my the thrust of my argument is that maybe he's not one hundred percent healthy, but he might be one hundred percent operational in this yep. game against Ohio State. And that is, at this point in the season, you'll take that from your quarterback. And he has performed better in clean pocket situations, which this offensive line can give him. And I don't think that this is an incredibly talented uh, or at least experienced secondary that can live up to maybe their their talent or their star rankings at the moment. So Penn State has, an, has, a, has a fighter's chance because of the way what you just described, their offense is built to play in this game. Is that a fair yep. way to look at that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, to me, the question is whether or not Ohio State's pressure gets to Clifford and yep. how he's able to operate in that environment. Because, look, I, I don't know what your assessment is, but I, I thought Sean Clifford took sacks that on Saturday against Illinois that he hasn't taken otherwise yep. this yep. year. And that's a dagger. Like that, <laughs> those matter. Those put you in a hole. Um, and so whether it's his ability to get rid of the football in those situations, like, or escape and get rid of the football, escape, find another option, or the the element that was obviously missing and obviously hurt them on Saturday, escape and run the ball. Yep. That, like, he, he just, he didn't have that. And so yeah. if, if they're going to be competitive, that has to be an element of what Penn State's offense brings to the table. Like he, he yeah. can't, that can't, if, if Ohio State looks at Penn State and says, okay, they can't run the ball. Yeah. Quarterback is not mobile and we can bring four. And if that time elapses and we can get to him and bring him down, great. If not, he's going to make a bad throw. What are the options for Penn State? For Penn State, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's yeah, that's it. Is is he needs to play better than he did on Saturday? Pretty obviously, and a big part of playing better is is whether or not he's healthy enough to do it. So I, I don't want to make this a stone set in stone, written in uh, you know ink sort of statement, but. On Saturday, at the very least, Sean Clifford could not win from the pocket exclusively. Yep. 
So that has been, I think that's fair to say, going back to even 2020, when I do think that was the focus of the Kirk Shiraka offense is stay in the pocket and make these long down-the-field reads, throw the ball to the intermediate deep part of the field on these RPOs and what should be, by scheme, wide-open play-action passes. That did not fit his style. Um, breaking the pocket and breaking down those zones is the important thing, and when he wasn't a threat, as you pointed out, to run the ball... The zone discipline was easy for for Illinois. They just had to stay back, and they had to let the pressure get to Clifford. If he doesn't present a running threat, then those receivers have to work extra hard to find the holes, and I didn't think they did that against Illinois. Um, that 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 being said, there the pressure from Ohio State all comes up the middle, where I think Penn State is their best in pass protection. So uh, I, I forget, I think Zach Harrison is the defensive tackle that has five sacks, which is most in the Big Ten amongst defensive tackles. But Penn State, other than a couple weeks, they've been stout up the middle. So I do think that there's an opportunity for Penn State to get the ball down the field. I I I hate to act like I know what I'm talking about, but doesn't James Frank, like putting teams in conflict, that's mm-hmm. it. Is you, you have to make, you have to present enough of a threat doing both things to have defenses make a choice, have to make a choice. Yep. That was something that really won Penn State the game against both Wisconsin and Auburn earlier this season. And if 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 they want to have any chance at all, if they want to, I mean, like I'm not really sure that I see an avenue toward that being like a consistent theme in this game. But if Penn State's defense is good enough to keep the scoring in maybe the 20s, then yeah, then those things become that much more integral. Those things become a a realistic avenue uh, to Penn State putting up the points that that it needs to win the game. But, um, you know, (laughs) these options are going to be limited, right? And so you've got to strike and and take advantage of those when they come yeah um and that's just something that that's just something that you know look like it's not like there weren't opportunities for penn state to score on saturday against illinois and it lost that it lost that element it lost that piece of its offense one of the things that has been a problem this year has been what you just talked about is, is is threatening people if it's not going to be at uh, the run and the pass. You have to be able to threaten at every level of the field, and Sean Clifford has struggled to do that this season. He's only completing 30% of his deep passes. He's His passer rating on deep passes is uh, below average. And then if you just look at the explosiveness of the two offenses in general, Penn State wants to be Ohio State. This is what they want to be able to do. And yep. Penn and Penn State, their, their rushing numbers obviously are not nearly this. But without that deep threat of the passing game, what they have is they have a short passing attack to the outside, some intermediate zone beaters. Maybe you got some some easy throws into soft coverages, but they are not able to threaten the ball deep this way. And if they can't do if they can't do that in this game, this is the game I've been saying it all year. Sean Clifford has to hit one or two deep passes, preferably early in the game, to change the the strategy for the defense. If he can't do that, if they can't get Jahan Dotson open, or they can't get... It's probably not going to be Jahan Dotson, because why wouldn't you key on that guy? If you're going to... Mike Yersich has to come up with a great scheme to get Parker Washington or Keandre Lambert-Smith open and let them get a deep ball. And so far, that has been literally hit or complete miss. 
and it, it has yep. there there has been very little consistency in the deep passing game, and there's no margin. There's less than no margin. There's a negative margin for error in this game. You've got to play above that stat for sure. Yeah. Nah, but I'm but there there have been times where Penn State has been able to do that. I, I just the and now granted, look, like the the way the Penn State season has played out, the, the some of the defenses that Penn State has played, um, and obviously the injuries that have affected them for the last two weeks makes a difference, but like Penn state's offense never really hit its stride. It has not, it has not actually become this fully actualized version of, I think what anybody was really expecting it, yeah. it has. I mean, what, what's the high this season? 44 points. Yeah. Um, I, I would say the high this season from a play standpoint was the Auburn game where they were efficient and effective and got, Touchdown every quarter. And scored 28 points. Yep. So, I mean, you know, like, look. Like, <laughs> yep. It's just not, it's just. It's not it's, clicking. Uh, yeah, they 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 have got to. And uh, again, like, it, it's, it's one of those things where uh, by this point in the season, I, and I think early in the year, I, I allowed room for growth and I allowed room for, but like, I think this is what they are. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be a matter of offense, defense, and special teams truly complementing each other, uh, allowing the defense to do what it does, play field position and get your shots in when you can, when you can get them because they can't keep pace. They're not going to be able to keep pace and track meet. That's not going to just, they don't, I'm, they don't have I'm, it. Uh, well, I, so they have more of that than they do anything else. So that's kind of my thought in this I think, game is I think you've got should. more explosiveness than anything else, but it's not coming out every game because of, and I hate to always put it on one player, but the, the lack of efficiency from Sean Clifford and the lack of development as a passer to, to be more than just the guy that throws to open receivers. Yep. That has been, and, and really was underscored last week. you got to yep. be more than that. And so far, it, it never has been consistent. I mean, even in the Villanova game where he had his best game against, again, an FCS opponent, he was throwing versus man coverage. It wasn't like he was throwing with anticipation into windows down the field. CJ Stroud already has throws on tape where he does that. Uh, against Oregon. You know, we're not even talking against Maryland, against teams that are playing good defense. So, uh Last thing, let's get out of this. Get out, get out of here on this. When is this game competitive? At what point does this game stop being competitive to you? Because I'm asking you that question because it's clear by your tone this is a round defeat for Penn State uh, from what you're seeing. As in, how could it become competitive? No, no, no. At what point in the game is it still competitive? At what point in the oh. game is Penn State still in the game? Well... This is where this is where I get a little. I think that maybe Ohio State is leading fourteen or seventeen to nothing at the half. Okay, and so it might look competitive. That's how last year's game was. It looked competitive. That's how two years ago was. These are games that looked competitive. They had moments where they looked competitive. I think that if Ohio State turns the ball over at all, then that that changes the dynamic a little bit, right? Like yep. Penn State Penn State needs its defense to create turnovers 
and to do so in advantageous field position. Yep. Penn State's offense needs as much help as it can possibly get. And so if those things come to fruition, like we've talked about this before, you can't count on special teams to give you a punt return for a touchdown. Yep. You cannot count. Yep. A, a kickoff return is gone. That's out of the game. doesn't yep. even exist anymore. Forget it. Especially with the okay. players Penn State's been working with there. There's no Barkley back there. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's out of the game. The Ohio State's going to kick it through the end zone. That's it. Yep. <laughs> okay. So that's that's the way that is. Punt return doesn't exist. They, they just have not been that good at it this year for whatever reason. Uh, defense can get you turnovers. You cannot count on your defense to score off of those turnovers. Yeah. But if the defense can be aggressive enough, uh, depending on what Ohio State wants to do, if Ohio State thinks that it can run the ball all day and pay no repercussions for that, then Penn State is done. Like Penn, <laughs> Penn State is just going to have yep. a ton of trouble because – uh, like you saw on Saturday against Illinois, limited opportunities offensively limits Penn State's success. Yep, and that's and that's the exact thing that happened. Like there was a little bit of a replay of Wisconsin from that Illinois game. Like Penn yeah. State just didn't have the ball. And well, so that's that going, was that was the plan that they copied what I, what Wisconsin did. Surprise! Brett Bielema did what Wisconsin does. Shocker. Can you believe it? Oh my goodness! Wow. Uh, so okay, let me let me give you the path to success for Penn State, and we're going to ignore the fact that if uh, Ohio State comes out in a three receiver set, so Penn State has only two linebackers on the field, and they run the ball that side zone four times, and they get sixty five yards and a touchdown. You're right, that's over, and that's a re- that's a realistic possibility in this game. Let me give you a path to victory for Penn State for Penn State fans to be hopeful. Stack the box, play your your players on an island, that that secondary full of veterans and talent, Jaquan Brisker has to go get the football. So put him in a position to read the quarterback and break on routes like he's been doing this season. What I saw on film during a couple of games from C.J. Stroud is that he will misread the coverage or he will decide to throw the ball into a coverage that you should not throw. And either he's baited or he, it's it's belief in his arm. He's made those throws. But those throws are not consistent from game to game. Eventually, those will burn you. If, he, if they can disguise coverage enough and show enough things to a young quarterback that he hasn't seen before, and then you get some of those passes, now you're in business. So it's, it's risk-reward. Penn State has to do what they don't want to do, which is put Joey Porter Jr. and Tariq Castro-Fields on an island and, and say, okay, Chris Olave now has single coverage. We're not going to worry about that because we're going to stop the run. Our corners, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to play big boy football. Joey Porter Jr., you're not going to get beat on a go ball this time. You were in great position last time. Turn your head around, knock the ball away. And then on the flip side, you're giving up points in this game, so the, the Penn State offense has to score. No field goals, no three and outs. You have to move the football, and you have to score Points, touchdowns, not field goals. So if those two things happen, I think if you can shock Ohio State a little bit and they start to feel the ghosts of the previous games where Penn State was this team that would not go away, I think that that's the path to victory because we've seen Penn State be able to frustrate this Ohio State passing game in the past. But if they're running play action and getting eight yards a carry, Penn State has no answer for that because the defensive tackles right now, they are not up to the up to that task. They're just overmatched. And that's what happens when you lose your personnel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be first team. So, yeah. Yep. 
Uh, so that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. <laughs> I tried to leave us out on uh, on a good note, but uh, that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, Nate, thank you for joining us today. I always appreciate you coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Ryan Snyder's Best Bets. We have all kinds of great stuff coming up, including recruiting news, some information about that, and we're going to end your weekend the right way. Don't forget the live show post game. Myself and Tom Hannafin will be here live on YouTube to give you the information you want to know after Penn State and Ohio State, whether it's you're coming to us for therapy, or you're coming to me for analysis. We got you covered this week. That'll do it for today for the BWI Daily Edition. We'll talk to you tomorrow.